Hey everybody, welcome back to the Matt Report Season 8 this time. Sitting down with Birgit Polly Hack. You might know her from Twitter. She's got an amazing Twitter handle. It's at BPH. Uh, she definitely scored a good one on that one. Uh, but you might know her from Gutenberg Times and her business Poly Systems, where she's really focused on um, helping nonprofits uh, and other organizations with WordPress. This is a fascinating discussion. She's definitely somebody who is a strong proponent of Gutenberg and very verbal uh, for her side of the argument online, and I really appreciate her points of view. So we're going to talk all about that in this episode. We're going to talk about her her consulting business, how she uh, sells WordPress to organizations like nonprofits. Is there money in nonprofits? What kind, kinds of clients should you go after if you're thinking about the nonprofit space? And of course, we talk about the future of WordPress and maybe how it's changing just a little bit with page builders, with Gutenberg, and all of that good stuff. Uh, this episode was recorded early January, so it's been a little bit of time. Um, like I said before, been a little sick, hoping to get these episodes out. I got a couple more in the can here, but I really appreciate everybody who's listening. If you have a moment, five-star review on iTunes would be amazing. Go ahead and leave a comment there. Say how you love the show or just retweet it uh, through Twitter and help us grow the audience. Let's get right into the episode. Yeah. Um, I am a web developer since 1996, so I have seen a lot of um, technology come and go. Uh, mostly go, but also come very good ones. I um, started my business as a freelancer in 2002. Um, in 2008, we kind of became an agency with developers, um, additional um, developers, designers. Um, we broadened a little bit the range. Um, I'm in the space as a developer because there was not enough software at the beginning in 96 to do what I wanted to do. So I was really happy when I started learning programming. It wasn't PHP, it was Cold Fusion. But then in 2010, um, we started migrating um, every uh, most of the legacy sites that we have over to WordPress. Um, we still are maintaining a few Cold Fusion sites um, on our own platform. Um, but that's uh, so. Um, and uh, WordPress, I got into it because I was looking for, I was volunteering for a nonprofit. Um, that helped other nonprofits to set up web pages, and we were looking for a better content management system because the one that uh, what they had was hideously outdated. And um, so I was looking. I looked at probably about twenty um, of them, and WordPress came out ahead, way ahead, uh, just because of all the support in the community. And if you're a volunteer helping other People, you need to have a backup, and the backup is the community. If they can search some a problem, it will not um, land up on your desk, or you, as a supporter, can um, Google it. And so, um, I work with about uh, forty nonprofits uh, one summer and migrated all their content over to WordPress. And that was WordPress two point nine when I started, when we rolled off was 3.1 or something like that. So it was very early in sure. WordPress. Yeah. That was longer than two sure. minutes. Too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. So the focus of, of the business and the consultancy right now anyway, is still uh, nonprofits, right? That's the, that's the core component of the business. Um, yeah, it's nonprofit. It's public um, government agencies, and it's also small business that have a very specific focus. So niche businesses or yeah, mostly um, content businesses, but also very specific um, uh, business models that we help um, migrate over online and, and support their businesses that way. We're going to start to talk about sort of how 
WordPress itself and the business of WordPress is, is sort of changing. But I, I'm a little bit interested to explore how maybe like the nonprofit world is experiencing because I remember getting into the game of the agency space and, um, you know, most nonprofits, <clears throat> of course, being very naive to the industry, um, most nonprofits that knocked on our door on the early days were were micro nonprofits, like two or three people, where it was the literally no money, <laughs> no profits, no money, no revenue. Um, but the world of nonprofits is quite profitable, as I learned over the years. Um, how has that changed? Is, is it still a business model? Obviously, the answer is yes, from what I can tell, but still going strong economically, politically, everything is still pretty good in that world, I'd imagine. Well, it's it's good in the larger um, community of the nonprofits, uh, especially in technology market, because um, um, now with uh, a lot of donations, a lot of fundraising being done online, that definitely needs a, a different technology approach that you had before. Um, it's also um, an up and down. The um, 2008 uh, world recessions hit nonprofits very, very hard. Um, and it uh, a lot have not yet recovered from it. And um, it's interesting that there is um, a report out in terms of which kind of nonprofit actually hires consultants. And it, seemed, and it uh, divided it up not only by size, but also by technology adoption level. Yeah, like the ones that um, barely go by, the other ones are more mature or they're functioning, so to speak. And then the ones that are very organized and then the ones that are kind of leaving, leading the pack, uh, meaning starting out as a technology company uh, and making the business model work only in technology and not doing anything offline. Um, so in all four categories, um, there's always a um, percentage that actually hires consultants. And to find that, um, it really depends on the leadership of the nonprofit. Um, so if the founder is technology averse, there's no money in it because the value is not there or perceived value is not there. Um, and also the, um, the collaboration between the teams in the nonprofit um, on the technology side is still sometimes um, the old school. Um, I'm in Naples, Florida, which is more an area where um, the boomers retire to. So the, that's a generation that grew up on uh, grew up with paper, and it's still a very strong focus. Um, that's mm. why I kind of really go out and go to conferences. Yeah. Before we uh, segue away from the topic of nonprofit, I remember <clears throat> my early days of of running an agency, and I think it's actually like when I first started this podcast. There was a an agency that was sort of close to me that picked up on my podcast, and they wanted to talk to me about WordPress. And they were like, hey, we, you know, we dabble in the WordPress, uh, excuse me, we dabble in the, uh, not dabble, we do sites for nonprofits. And we want to start dabbling in the WordPress space. So they were like, hey, could you mind coming over and, and talking to us about WordPress? So they were building something on like .NET at the time. And I was like, sure, no problem, I'll swing by. <clears throat> I got to their office and they had like, I mean, this is, again, a decade ago, if maybe not, maybe a little bit more. They had like 50 people. It was like this beautiful office. I was like, Wait a minute. <laughs> there's there's money here, uh, but it's a different tact, right? Uh, just to give listeners a, a piece of advice, it's it's definitely a path you can go down, but you have to be prepared, probably like legally, contractually, and probably some things like you said. There's 
there's a specific niche that that nonprofits have to hire from, and you just have to kind of find that if you want to pursue this this avenue. Am I getting that? Correct? Yeah, that uh, definitely. Um, you got it correct. What what most what uh, works um, a little bit against um, how businesses work is that there are a lot of uh, stakeholders in a nonprofit. So you not only need to talk with one person, you probably need to go before the board. You have three or four uh, people that you talk to, uh, sometimes have contrarians. So you need to manage that and facilitate that um, uh, decision-making process and invest uh, quite a bit some time in it. Um, I run here uh, a local, and I'm also um, kind of um, involved in a international uh, group uh, there is a, a, a group called Tech for Good, and there are face-to-face meetings with technologists, um, nonprofit leadership, nonprofit volunteers, and staff talking about the technology hurdles, technology problems. And um, I'm preparing, yeah, and I'm running those now for six years here locally. We have about 20, 25 people every uh, meeting, but those are the meetings that are most beneficial for those that have no um, IT director, there uh, and I like to support the so-called accidental techie that way, um, in uh, because it kind of um, moves forward the technology approach and then gets into the board and then um, kind of can snowball a little bit there. Yeah, but it's a it's long process. Like it's, yeah. it's almost like a WordPress meetup, but for nonprofits, exactly. right? People can kind of come and learn and absorb from other people who are doing greater things. Yes, really absolutely, cool. yeah. So let's transition to the WordPress side of things. Like I mentioned um, at the top, this is something, the season story arc is about the change of WordPress and, and again, <clears throat> the, the market itself and, of course, the software itself. Um, you're a big proponent for Gutenberg. Um, how has, over the years, over the last couple of years, how has page builders changed, page builder plugins, Gutenberg aside, how has page builders changed the adoption or maybe even like price point of potential projects with nonprofits. What I'm getting at here is page builders making it more accessible to build your own website. The accidental IT person comes along and they can build their own WordPress site. They really don't know how to do this stuff the quote unquote right way. Uh, Page builders is a great entry point, but then they hack something together and they say, hey, can you help me fix this now? (laughs) Um, How has that played a role if at all, in nonprofit, good, bad, or otherwise, page builders? Um, it has a, it had in the last, I would say, three or four years, um, quite an impact on not so much us losing business, but also kind of have a different conversation with the people because they now have a, a different expectation what software needs to be able to do. Um, but it also is, of course, um, a performance issue. So how I... Experience page builders is from a um, save the the website from it um, more than um, that people really take on it. So um, nonprofit some some nonprofits that work with WordPress and come to me and want to learn um, kind of talk about oh you need to have a PhD to know WordPress, <laughs> which is kind of really sad. Um, and that's why I'm a, but almost true. <laughs> the, uh, absolutely true. Absolutely yeah, true. When yeah, I started yeah. out with, um, that transition from the hideous, uh, <laughs> content management system to WordPress, um, in 2010, it was very easy. Yeah? And the content producers, I, yeah, when we did the transition workshops, we had, 
um, the techies go away and the newsletter editors come, the presidents come, the communication people come who said, wow, we can publish on the net so easily. And that's still true when they have a very um, um, basic website and they are not doing a whole lot of other things like um, um, like membership or um, additional uh, online donation payment systems, stores, these kind of things. Um, when you get in that realm, and I think a lot of developers are out there that um, do not, um, that put the page builder in there and create the site with the page builder. They're not really, they're not developers thinking about through how the nonprofit actually needs it. Um, and I think there is a lot of communication um, missing in between. I am a proponent of Gutenberg because of the experience that I had eight years ago uh, when I saw the lights go on uh, from the people that come from a very complicated one to a very easy one. And this is, Gutenberg is the same transition. And um, when I, um, I did not so much on WordCamps, um, but I did a um, two or three, uh, three I think, um, talks WordPress Gutenberg for nonprofits and showed them what is all possible. The room gets really, really quiet and everybody is very excited about Gutenberg. And that is at something that I, I knew it would happen, but to see it is really, really interesting. Um, and that's why I'm, um, yeah, when I saw uh, Gutenberg being released as a plugin in, uh, in 2017, um, I said, wow, that's the next, that's the next um, era. And I need to learn everything and anything about it and who, who's involved in it. It's also um, something completely new developed that does not have to think about at the beginning about the uh, legacy and they kind of reimagining uh, ima things uh, quite nicely. Um, and so I, that's why I kind of jumped on, okay, I need to curate all the, the different information that come out there and of course um yeah i'm i'm <laughs> and, you, and, and you've done this through the means of starting this uh this new website or not new but you started the website gutenbergtimes.com is where you're collecting that i want to get to that um in a moment but let's just take a step back and talk about the uh, the necessity of for something like Gutenberg and and I've seen it in my world as and folks who listen to the show probably heard me say this a million times already but I'll say it again like when I'm when I'm mentoring uh new businesses in an accelerator program that I'm in <clears throat> you have 15 or so people in this cohort these are people starting mostly for the most part traditional businesses restaurants food trucks clothing right you know the stuff that you you need a brick and mortar store not like you and I who could be on a beach with a laptop somewhere um and they need to get their website up. They've never done this before. And I'll go in as I always go in as the person who talks about doing the website stuff. And I talk about WordPress, of course, but like without fail at the end of this 90 day accelerator, people are on Wix, they're on Squarespace because they went to try WordPress. They heard what I had to say and they were like, oh my God, I cannot do this. <laughs> right. And as great as page builders are, <clears throat> we do need something at the from the core of WordPress that is just there, right? It's just there. It comes with WordPress, and that's the experience that people use um, for a good portion of WordPress users. And I think, well, and I'll let you actually kind of give your sort of future forecasting on this, but 
I think page builders are going to find their roles in the future of defining, I don't know, uh, Beaver Builder might be become the page builder for enterprise users, let's say, with options that only enterprise companies need or, or what have you. And Elementor is more, you know, I don't know, consumer focused, whatever that might be. And, and maybe you have some thoughts around that. But um, I think it's healthy to have this come in because I see WordPress losing share to the, right in front of my face, even though I'm telling people to use it. And they say, hey, that's great. No, thanks. <laughs> I'm going to go over here. Um, so yeah, I mean, with that, there's no real question there, but if you have any thoughts on page builders and the future of that. Yeah, I had the same experience that uh, uh, people say, oh, I'd, I'd rather go Squarespace. I actually lost business that way where um, a, another agency kind of said, okay, let's do this on Squarespace. It's easier to, to manage. Um, the, the page builder business is going to be a really interesting transition. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there is a, a total niche component there, especially when you talk about hotels or when you talk about um, restaurants or artists that they need the design, the layouts um, uh, reimagined on what is actually possible. And then um, with Gutenberg, there will be a standard on how those layouts um, come to the website. Um, it will not be, okay, I have a theme that has 15 other uh, plugins that need to be updated and um, downloaded and installed. Um, I just, yesterday, I don't know if you saw the tweet, but I, I was totally amazed. I took a website, um, we took a, a website online where we reduced the amount of plugins from 36 to 14, um, just because going Gutenberg and going Genesis. Um, uh, shout out to <laughs> Genesis, yeah, this has been um, a stable in our um, agency, definitely. Um, but uh, I, I because you see from the from a lot of the noise that is thrown at 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 Gutenberg and, and and WordPress in general is you know it's fine you know people are like I I will never use Gutenberg on my website or you won't find me using this or or whatever it might be that's great but a lot of people are just missing the point is when you're in you know your position especially with a nonprofit with seventeen layers of people that are managing this site with the expectations, yeah, you don't just turn things on and off on the fly. It doesn't happen like that. It's not what your customer expects. Um, and making the decision on plugins isn't as quick as people, you know, where their small personal sites might do. Uh, when you get into that layer of middle management and stakeholders and CEOs and board members, they're not going to want to hear you, well, we have to redesign the whole site next week. Pfft, it's not going to happen, um, you know? You know, and, and, and a lot of people are, you know, and I guess that's that's just a human problem at this point, right? With this communication and, and what gets thrown around as people just are living different lives. They're not experiencing the same thing. And everybody has WordPress in a different way. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that out. Yeah, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. And of course, I uh, listening to the the community voices around Gutenberg, um, it, it's, um, it's a lot of noise, as you say it. But it's also part of the adoption. Um, curve yeah when innovation is adopted by a community by users um the first ones that come in are the innovators those are the beta testers those are the then the early adopters come and the uh, and that's where we are right now is that the early adopters and the innovators use gutenberg uh, and push the boundaries and all the evangelists um in numbers 
the first to the so it's um, innovators, early adopters, then early majority, then the la uh, late majority, and then the laggards. And it's a kind of a, a bell curve, and the from left to right, and it's pretty much. New. So uh, the first two innovators and early adopters are in that cycle only fifteen percent of the user base. So um, and I we we saw this with the iPhone. We saw this with. Uh, um, some other um, technology that I can't recall right now, but um, that's kind of what um, comes. What I didn't expect or didn't think about, of course, I should have expected it, and anybody else should have too, and that comes back to the, okay, uh, can, uh, could, have we, could we change the communication a little bit? But the, uh, un, the other 85%, they're still talking about it. Yeah, It's not that they are not, yeah, the iPhone came out and nobody really talked about it because nobody put their hands on it and nobody said, okay, I need to make a decision for myself. Yeah, it was the tech journalists talking about it and it was the early adopters talking about it. But going mainstream, that took another three, four years. And that's what uh, Gutenberg will have too. But we now have the 85% kind of seeing what Gutenberg is and deciding not, not yet to jumping on for whatever reason. Yeah, but that's kind of the noise, and that's where you uh, have a hard time. I think Jeff Chandler <laughs> put out a, a tweet and said, <clears throat> Jeff Chandler from the WP Tavern um, said, uh, you can probably win the lottery sooner than finding someone saying good things about Gutenberg, which is kind of, of course, uh, uh, tongue-in-cheek. But uh, I think that's part of it is that um, the early majority hasn't come in yet in adopting yeah. Gutenberg. There's a couple threads uh, Sorry. <laughs> or a couple av a couple avenues I want I want to go down uh, around that um, that that Jeff sometimes he comes up with some some good one-liners uh, but I recently did a, uh, a a review on 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 uh, the 2019 core theme that comes with WordPress and I much like a lot of people I knew like when <clears throat> when it was becoming a, a a more refined plugin and it was getting pushed into core Gutenberg that is uh I was like hey I am going to wait I'm going to wait before I weigh in on this because that's the other thing again another side note here is I saw software developers like freaking out about this and I'm like wait you you all develop software you know that we're going to have iterations here like you started playing with it in like alpha version one and you are freaking out about it well we still had plenty of time to go that said though i i played with it in the 2019 theme and i still found myself struggling to to drag blocks around and to grab things and, and move things around i mean obviously you didn't develop gutenberg so maybe you don't have a particular opinion on this but oh i do you know i'm <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and i'm saying like Man, these are like some core things where this 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 loud noise over here that people are yelling about, they think they were kind of right, and I can't even drag a block around. Very frustrating, um, and 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 sort of that same echoing that same feeling of is this really ready for prime time? It's 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 on by default. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, um, I think I'm I for for my personal opinion, it was a little late in core. But of course, I get it's not ready. It needs to be perfect for core. I think it's too putting too much expectations on it. Um, the I believe me, I have every new um, 
iteration of Gutenberg release of the plugin, I was holding Gutenberg times together and say, well, I guess I'm not publishing today because I first need to figure out why this is not working anymore. That used to work for the last two months. Um, and uh, there were uh, many, many of those um, occasions. Um, but I also found that um, taking the most difficult thing into a new software, and, and if that is part of your business and part of your um, livelihood, classic editor is for you. We have on of the 40, non uh, not 40 um, business sites um, that we maintain, um, and you know, are in contact with our users um, or customers, um, we have four on 5.0 or 5.02 and Gutenberg, and all the others have Classic Editor installed just because there are multiple reasons not to go um, on Gutenberg yet. Um, because there are plugins, and that's why I say it, it's a little, it was late in the game to actually put it into core because I, in my experience, the last 20 years <laughs> putting out websites and software, and I find that end users do not test. They want the, the right thing here and then they jump in and then figure it out. Um, the same with plugin developers. Yeah? A plugin developer, there are maybe 15 handfuls or yeah, maybe a, a couple of dozens plugin developers that actually jumped on it very early to figure out how their plugin can be best with Gutenberg. Everybody else was in a, wait, uh, in a holding position because it wasn't in core. Yeah, so they uh, kind of needed to delay it. Of course, Gutenberg was also not yet finished, so to speak. It is when you have a new... Um, new when, if, when you imagine new things and try to put it into, you need to release it to see what breaks. Otherwise, you, yeah, you, you are not coming, you, you cannot make, put the work in to have every possible things that can go wrong. You can get it 80% right, the other 20% need to wait. Yeah, it's kind of that part. Um, and the plugin developers, how fast after the December 6th, release a lot of plugin developers came through and uh, uh, they, many, many plugin developers or, or plugins are already compatible with Gutenberg. You are not running into a whole lot of problems. Um, where it's critical is um, custom post time stills, plugins that use custom post types, plugins that use, um, um, uh, use the editor, uh, the old editor kind of thing. So, um, a page builders, yeah, there's kind of a, a clunky uh, situation there that I think the user will need to make a, a firm decision. Either I stay with that or I go Gutenberg. I think the hybrid version, I think Elemental has a good um, approach on it with the templates. Um, but of course, yeah, we have our, the, the yeah, 30 plus um, sites or customers, we won't go uh, live. Um, in the first quarter. Uh, it's all pushed into the second quarter, 2019. Some will say, okay, it's going to be end of 2019 because we need to have the training. Yeah, we need to look at our content. Can we reimagine how we build content? Um, right now we do evaluation on someone who has for 10 years put code into their editor. Yeah? We need to kind of look 
how that works. Yeah. And that takes time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I haven't heard <clears throat> anything crazy um, come across my Twitter sphere or anything like that, or um, even at Pagely where folks have, you know, all of a sudden the site's broken and, and, and they can't recover. I haven't heard any crazy stories like that yet, but what I do see trickling down is that, that editing experience and, and that creating that content experience um, has, been, has been turbulent, I guess, for, <laughs> to say the least, for some folks. Um, the other half of, of the argument is the decision-making. And I don't want to put you on the spot. God knows that I will say what I want to say. Uh, you don't have to. But it's the, de the decision-making that I think has riled up so many people. And yes, two years uh, <coughs> excuse me, of a runway to get to this point, the things that really irked me and maybe a lot of others are a lot of the decisions possibly not being as open um, as we might have hoped for um, and just lack of clarity, at least from my perspective, lack of clarity from leadership um, namely Matt, on where this whole thing is going. Uh, I did a video about this and I said, hey, I was really behind the WordPress movement of, of course, democratization of publishing. I'm behind that. But WordPress as the operating system of the internet, I really liked that tagline many years ago. Um, and, and I think that was a big cause for concern. And now we, we see things uh, like our you know, friend of the show, Morton Rand Hendrickson, uh, which I know you've had some conversations with uh, on Twitter, uh, sort of back and forth, like, how do we get people involved in the decision-making? Should decision-making be even a thing that we're allowed to do at this higher level? Um, what are your thoughts, if, if you want to share anything from that side of it, of how this all sort of rolled out? I, I don't think there was um, a, a, a real strategy behind the communication, and you're totally right. Um, I um, watched your um, I said there were some very good points there, and I think um, um, I I tried to offset some of that with Gutenberg Times. You had to kind of get, but of course it was only those people that listen. And you can't. I think what the if the last eight years, I I personally have um, not thought a whole lot about decision-making process in the WordPress community. The last five years was a little bit different. When I'm um, a deputy on the community team, and I have very much um, appreciated the consensus-driven decision-making on that part, and I see through the core editor and through the GitHub, um, of course, it's not mainstream communication, but it is when, when you go through the meetings there and the GitHub discussions on certain issues, there is quite um, a controversial and trying to come up with a, um, a, a, a better solution with nobody holding back. Uh, but it, uh, that communication does not get into the mainstream. Nobody would be interested in that. Um, in the, um, I had, the, I had um, Matthias Ventura, Tammy Lister, and Joanna Smoosen, the, the uh, developer leads of Gutenberg on the show in, in November. And um, I think the biggest hurdle was communication-wise to say it, we're just doing the editor. We are not changing the admin screen. And I think that is something that people uh, at first didn't realize that that would be 
so much um, stepping on other people's plugins and stepping on other people's um, information. And when every time a new version came out and something didn't work, was, oh, we never will have that in the future. Yeah, it's kind of custom post times at the beginning didn't work. Yeah, but nobody listened to, well, it's going to work. We have here's the issue and can go and see how it goes. Um, and that, and we have a fourth wave. Yeah. So um, I see the communication totally. Yeah. Uh, there is not a team that, um, that could have done better communication. But I also feel that it only comes up because there is a controversial decision there. Yeah. The, um, and there is something that is so close to your own livelihood that you all of a sudden feel forced upon um, something that you don't have a choice. For our business or for, for our team, we, we consider WordPress releases like the weather. <laughs> yeah, it's it's come. That's saying some. That's saying something. Living in Florida, right, right. <laughs> well, we we at least see the hurricane coming a week ahead yeah. of time. Yeah, but um, yeah. So we listen to the forecast. We believe it, but we we have the the umbrella with us for any chance of rain. Um, and the 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 release in December six really made it clear. And um, I have talked with uh, Jan Dimbowski and with Marius. Um, from the support team, they have not seen any Gutenberg-related issues that kind of bubble up that weren't uh, able to solve it. They had some other issues with the release, and I'll find out next week on our uh, Gutenberg Times Live Q&A. Um, but it is, it is uh, 18 million downloads of a 5.0 version, or 5.0 yeah, version, um, with two to three million classic editor, um, that's a statement. Yeah. Um, so I, of course, yeah, com communication can always be better. <laughs> yeah. And especially when change comes, yeah, you need to communicate 10 times more uh, than usual. And if you, and I feel that actually everybody kind of retreated to their own ideas yeah, and not come out and, and talk about what you're doing here, what you're doing there. Yeah, I I think that I think that there should be uh like a cuz I feel like this is being treated as you know almost like a it's like a product it's a product within a product Gutenberg that is a product within a product it's almost like a startup in a startup kind of feel where you know innovation like you mentioned new features new ideas um and of course sort of all uh coalescing around the uh WordCamp WordCamp US that just happened uh, I feel like there should be like a product person that's like just talks in more non-developer speak so that more people can just, you know, wrap their heads around like the future and the features and the benefits. I think it's amazing that, you know, some of the stuff that's demonstrated with Gutenberg, it's, you know, it blows my mind. I'm not a developer. So it's like, hey, that's great. <laughs> you know, but but it, it, it doesn't really get me going. Right, and it, right. and it, it almost frightens me a little bit because I'm like, what are you, what, what are you saying? JavaScript what? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that's also the exciting part, you know. Um, I, I read in, in one of the developer um, uh, blog posts, so, oh, yeah, and there were some developers that, want, that, that needed to do WordPress, and that's the bane of a developer <laughs> existence, so to speak. Yeah, because it's it has so much legacy on it, yeah, and having a, uh, and that's part of the excitement is 
for me is that it also brings in new blood on how to do web pages and how to do web applications. And yes, there is a disruption, but it, it, it's okay. Yeah, there are things that you can do workarounds, and I'm sure enterprise level is not jumping on Gutenberg yet. Yeah, and yeah, but and and I'm curious of of how the undercurrent of all of this um, sort of shapes people's choices of technology. So for instance, I, I know now because of Gutenberg and, and whether or not people actually gave it, gave it a fair, a fair shake, uh, you know, before it launched live, um, a lot of developers trying new things. Uh, Laravel, for instance, just to throw one out there and people just looking at new sort of lightweight CMSs and saying, okay, I think for, you know, this particular kind of website that I might be building, WordPress might not be it anymore. And it's kind of, it feels kind of bad to say that because you've been, in, you know, you've been invested in WordPress for a, over a decade at this point. And a lot of people are just, they're afraid to, to break that and say, oh, I'm kind of cheating on WordPress. I'm, I'm using something else for this stuff. But maybe that's where we need to be right now. Like we need to disrupt ourselves a little bit, explore other pieces of technology. And maybe that actually comes back into the community at a later date. A couple of years down the road, you've been, you know, playing with another CMS, another framework. Uh, and it just doesn't get to where you need it to be, but you've now absorbed some of that knowledge and bring it back into WordPress. Who knows? Maybe something good comes of it. Yeah, and I, I, I have seen technology come and goes. Yeah, so I think if you have seen how other open source as well as proprietary systems behave and how they come and go, um, I, I think it's it really is helping. And what we do with uh, our in our agency work is uh, looking at the business model for our clients. And seeing, okay, what is it that you want to do, and um, is it a is there a, something out there that can do it better than WordPress? Yeah, I'm very um, just not getting off topic, but I'm very excited about big uh, commerce coming into the WordPress space and having kind of uh, an offset the WooCommerce, Shopify kind of discussion. Um, and then uh, so there are new things coming in, and the 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 broader the developer range is the better for the community yeah all of a sudden wordpress could be the cool kids again yeah so right um, right and, and i'll tell you I, I used to be a drupal guy that's where i came from that's the world i came i, I dabbled in well i didn't dabble i, I ran uh, an agency for an isp when they were doing drupal going from drupal 4 to drupal 5 and then we left to wordpress to go into wordpress at drupal 6 but I see some of these updates that Dries, the lead of, of, of Drupal and, and, and Acquia, come out with. And I'm like, come on, Matt Mullenweg, come out with some posts like this guy does. <laughs> right? take, take, a, take a chapter from his book. I like these updates. I like this, this vision that he's, he's painting for us. Not what's in your bag. I don't want to. I don't care what's in your travel bag, Matt. Yeah, okay, I'm off. I'm off, Matt. I won't put you on this. Right, topic. right, right. No, I, I don't have uh, some. Um, <clears throat> I actually admire Matt um, tremendously because uh, yeah, it's a 19 year old and now 34 year old. Um, yeah, having built this company, um, I, I it, it's really a tremendous work and it's a, a very unique uh, thing. I have learned in my career before developer that there are certain things um, that you do in a one-on-one -on -one conversation and certain things you do in a, in a public space. And um, I think that is my upbringing. So when I talk with 
yeah, when I have these experiences that um, Gutenberg kind of just makes my life miserable, um, <laughs> then I don't take it to Twitter. I take it to the co-editor chat. I put it up on GitHub and let the, the, the chips fall where they may um, because there are people behind it. Yeah, And they are... Um, and, uh, I know how I, uh, how I get defensive and how I get um, a little bit uh, off-put when someone criticizes me publicly um, unwarranted. Yeah, it's, yeah, and I, I think when you look at Matt doing town hall meetings at the Q&A at WordPress, he has a good head on his, uh, yeah, on to, to know. It's a valid question. I need to answer it, and I'm not running away from the question. And um, that is admirable. And I have... Um, and any and he, yeah, whatever you take with the answer, yeah, and um, you have to deal with your own feelings about that. Um, and yeah, I I ran a company with 40, 50 people, twelve hundred guests every day. I was a restaurant manager before. Um, yeah, emotions fly, and you need to organize it, and then you kind of yeah ran with it. But you need to feed the people, yeah, no matter what yeah. happens, yeah, you need to go yeah, out absolutely. and feed them, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, and I've said this before, like the leadership has to make decisions. Um, leadership also has to be willing to, to bear the brunt of those decisions. I told Matt that I, I admire him and I don't at the same time <laughs> because I wouldn't want to deal with it either. And I think a lot of the people who criticize Matt um, wouldn't want to be in his position, I guess myself included, right? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be, you know, the the lead of this stuff, <laughs> you know, but I'll be a critic. And, I'll be a critic. Yeah, and but uh, what I also and you mentioned this in uh, one of your podcasts as well. Um, just criticizing Matt actually diminishes what the army of core contributors has been doing day over day, year over year to push this forward. Yeah, there are in the core committer channel and the core. Um, channel with the meetings yeah there are a lot of brilliant people leading this and i'm glad that matt can take the noise of it away from them so they can um focus on what they're doing what they're doing well and um let them be um uh, brilliant uh, without uh getting distracted uh, from all the different opinions i have found in my my life, and I do a lot of community organizing, um, is when you have more opinions, it doesn't mean that your decisions get better. You just have to, you have to deal just with all the opinions. And I think um, that's the hardest part of it, is who you, um, whose input you listen to, you evaluate, and then you move forward from it. Yeah? And being listened to doesn't, being heard, is one thing, doesn't listen to is another thing. And decision um, uh, making process, sometimes you just can't win with a decision. You just need to go uh, with what's the be what you think is the best for the community. And I admire uh, that decision making process uh, very much. I don't, I think there's a lot more um, to, yeah, the governance project that comes out, yeah, when uh, Morton is there, I think it's really. Um, hard to find something new that does not derail what it's there if you don't do the focus right. Yeah. So if it's um, making the 
community a, a, a visible towards the lawmakers and have a voice in uh, privacy and have a voice in um, accessibility and yeah, kind of making the world the web better for thirty percent and having a voice there. Absolutely. Um, internally, I don't know if there is a really um, just because this one year is so controversial that there is um, a need for changing the decision-making process. Yeah. Is there really, uh, because the people that show up now, because it's controversial, won't show up later when the dust has settled. Yeah, no, I totally get that. People are just coming out to, you know, kick kick tires or kick the dust around and cause controversy. Is It's not helping anybody. Um, but speaking of being heard, Every Friday over at Gutenberg Times, you're doing a live Q&A, right? And you're bringing on, and you're bringing on panels of, of folks to not only get tips, but get that insider information from the actual leads of the software. Um, tell us about that. How is that going? Um, what's the future of it? What else do you have around Gutenberg Times that folks should be aware of? So Gutenberg Times has, uh, well, thank you for <clears throat> um, bringing that up. We have, it's every other Friday. I Every Just other not, Friday, I can't do every every Friday uh, unless I get a a lot more sponsor on it <laughs> to offset some of the time that I need to spend in my agency. You know, this podcasting thing—it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> and um, so we we do a Zoom, and um, we started out with the secrets of uh, Gutenberg, and I brought some publishers on that are uh, that went gung ho on Gutenberg and doing uh, great stuff and um, an agency of Munich who did something. And then uh, uh, Raquel uh, from um, had, um, I think it was the second or third show she has, still gets a lot of traffic for uh, how, a tutorial on how to do uh, nested blocks. Um, I found it really interesting to talk to her because she is developer for a, uh, a blogging um, community for food bloggers. Um, and how, how they uh, handle that. Um, in November, we started doing panels, well, panels invite more people in there. Um, I started out with the leader of Gutenberg, and then uh, we have, um, and next week we have Mat Marius Jensen, um, support lead from WordPress.org, and um, Sherry Bigelow. Um, she has, um, has been in the WordPress space for a long time, um, works for Automatic, but she's now doing um, starting the testing team, and they have a very strong focus on Gutenberg. And then we have the uh, WordPress manager of SiteGround, who just published a blog post on how SiteGround updated 750,000 WordPress sites um, automatically to WordPress 5.0 and installed Classic Editor, and I uh, really want to um, talk to him uh, about that. Um, you can also, uh, once a week, I, the weekend edition is um, a list of links that I found remarkable. Um, and I have a, a, the fire hose is an update on the website, but via email I send out um, between five and seven links that I find from one week and then uh, announce our, our Gutenberg Live um, uh, shows. And um, that's about it. The Twitter feed. Where, I'm, I'm just looking for the link for the email sign up. Oh, that um, should come out automatically, but it's actually 
uh, pinned on our Twitter account profile. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um. So, um. So twitter.com slash Gutenberg Times. Gutenberg Times. Yeah. And you can go ahead and click that link to join uh, the mailing list. I mean, I think it's great. I think that, again, I, I being somebody who's been podcasting for, for years, I hope more people create uh, podcasts and, and outlets like this because it's, it's a whole nother uh, of voice and perspective. And I think that's, that's the power of this community, at least you know, from, from my end, somebody who's not a non-developer. Um, you know, people that uh, are either non-developers or developers can create these, uh, these movements uh, and curate the content that people are interested in. Uh, so kudos to you uh, on doing this. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great experience. And I'm the, the reason I do this is because I get to meet so many brilliant people and learn from them every single day. So uh, putting one on the show is putting a shining a light on the, uh, the, the, the leaders of the community that are not named Matt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maybe that's well, that's the name of the podcast. I'm still looking for a name. <laughs> that's why I called mine the Matt Report. Yeah. Right? That's why I called mine the Matt People Report. People not Matt. I, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Oh man. Oh, man. Well, this is well, fun. Yeah. Well, get this has been an amazing uh, conversation. I'm so glad we connected to have you on the show. Uh, where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? And of course. Twitter.com slash Gutenberg Times and GutenbergTimes.com. Definitely check that out. But where can folks find you to say thanks? Um, definitely Twitter. My personal handle is PPH, my initials, uh, as in Bravo Port Hotel. And um, GutenbergTimes.com. My company website is polysystems.net. And um, on t- I'm on Twitter for the last 10 years. So um, Yeah, you scored a pretty good username there. <laughs> Yeah, that's the only street cred that I have with the cool kids. <laughs> it's a three-digit username. Um, my my uh, direct messages are open. Uh, ping me anytime. I'll get back to you within a few hours, definitely. Um, I'm um, always open to communication. Awesome. Everyone else, it's matreport.com. Matreport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list. It's the number one way to stay connected. We'll see you in the next episode.